creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm an illustrator for clients like Xbox, Lego, and the New York Times. I make this show because as someone with ADHD who is neurodivergent, I know that for some of us, creative practice and carving out our own path isn't just a nice to have, but a must for survival. When you were born into a world that was not built with you in mind, you have to rebuild the world. I get that. So that's what this show is all about. So you probably have a sense that getting opportunities within your passion, what you want to be doing, means doing that before the opportunities come your way. But... It's really, really hard to be motivated to do things that nobody is asking you to do. Nobody wants you or has explicitly told you they want you to do these things. It's hard to be motivated to do those things. So how do you find the motivation to create the portfolio, to create the body of work, to put in the work before anybody has said, hey, you really should do that. It's hard to find that kind of motivation. So you might feel like, I need the tools to dig up this kind of precious resource that is motivation within myself. But this episode is all about how you already have the tool. You already have the tool you need to dig up that motivation. But the problem is that you may think that tool is the treasure. Now that doesn't make any sense and I'll explain what I mean by that in just a second if you stick around. And if you stick around all the way to the end of the episode, I'm going to share an exercise that helped me find what feels like infinite renewable motivation for my creative work and for my personal work, as well as clues to the most important aspect of your creative work, which is who you are as a person and as an artist. And if that's what you're looking for, let's get into it. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AndyJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. 
This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Step one to finding a deep well of motivation and inspiration and energy and discipline to show up and do the work before anybody else is even suggesting that you do it. Uh, The first step is to realize that digging is not your passion. Let me explain what I mean. Have you ever heard anybody make a joke around the idea of graphic design is my passion. Y'all, graphic design is my passion. Like, you know, poking fun at that phrase of graphic design is my passion. I have a few buddies of mine, uh, they're the Dans behind the design studio, Young Jerks, and they made a hat that says Garfic design. It's like a typo of graphic design. And I think it's a little bit of a poke at this idea of graphic design being your soul, graphic design being your passion. And I think it's funny. I think that there is something funny within this, but I also respect and relate to the passion of graphic design or typography or illustration or whatever it is. Like I get it. And I, and I also just respect passion on any level. It's so much more interesting and respectable in my eyes than apathy. Right. But I think the humor that they're getting at there that I also relate to is this idea that moving pixels on a screen is your passion. Like this notion that you just love being sat in a chair in front of a computer moving stuff around. Like that's your passion. Like let me get my hands dirty in a 500 layer Photoshop file. Like I would love to just sink my teeth, sink my mouse finger into that 500 layer Photoshop file or illustrator screen and just move stuff around. I love moving stuff around. It just feels a little bit hollow. It feels a bit silly that your passion, your meaning for living would be moving that little cursor around, moving that little pen tool around, right? And I think it's kind of like an archaeologist saying, I just love moving dirt. Moving dirt is my passion. I just love moving that stuff around. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a designer with a little enamel pen that is a is a mouse cursor or a pin tool, little icon, you know, it's the same as an archaeologist having a little shovel enamel pin, right? And maybe they would like, I, that's totally respectable. I get it. Okay. But at the same time, I think that it's important to remember that an archaeologist, their passion isn't moving the dirt. Uh, That's not the buried treasure that they're after. 
Like they're not wearing a shovel on their lapel. They're going to wear a brooch with a, with a fine jewel that was from the Templars in ancient whatever. Like that's, I don't know. I'm not an archaeologist. That's not my passion. My passion isn't digging up treasures from yesteryear. But the shovel, the digging isn't their passion either. Now, I'm no expert on archaeology, but I assume that liking to dig up things is a prerequisite. Like you probably should like to get your hands dirty digging up some stuff if you're an archaeologist. But that's not the sum of their passion. It's not why they got into it. They didn't get into it to just move stuff around and get deep in 500 layers of earth. They got into it, not because of the digging, but because of what they were digging up. Not because of what they were digging with, but the what and the why of why they were digging. And as I started to dig into archaeology, I realized I had made an assumption without really knowing much about that world, which was I thought archaeologists were people that were just like digging up old stuff. But I didn't realize that they are actually defined by the kind of stuff that they're trying to dig up, the kind of stuff that they're looking for. Because an archaeologist is different than a paleontologist. An archaeologist is digging up stuff that was human-made. They are defined not by the digging, but by what they are finding, what they are after. And the same goes for, I think, creators. It's not so much that moving around the soil, moving around the stuff, but it's why and what are you after? What is the treasure that you are digging into with the pen tool, with the cursor? Like, what are you able to achieve by doing this digging? What are you able to achieve by sifting through those layers upon layers upon layers? Because a graphic designer is not defined by the pen tool. They're not defined by the thing that they use, the tool that they use to dig into this thing. They're defined by what that tool makes possible. So what do you dig? Life's a garden, dig it. Because creators tend to think they dig the guitar, but that's what they dig with. They think they dig a pencil because they're an illustrator, but that's what you dig with. That's not what you're digging into. That's not what you're digging for with that pencil. And I think it's interesting. We could take some inspiration from the world of the diggers and say like, hey, this person likes to dig up old human ephemera. This person likes to dig up dinosaur bones. Therefore, they have different definitions. They have different titles. They are defined not by digging, but what they're digging for. And so what if you quit defining yourself as a guitarist and instead define yourself as a storyteller? Define yourself not even as a storyteller, but what a story affords you. What's the treasure that you get from creating stories, from telling stories? What's the treasure that other people get when they dig into your work? Because if you only see the digging as your passion, you could wind up, sure, as a handsome dreamboat archaeologist adventurer like Indiana Jones, or you could be some evil oil baron. Like defining what you're digging for makes all the difference. Have you ever stopped to define it? Do you have a spade on your lapel or do you have, 
you know, that brooch from ancient Egypt with a scarab on it because that's what you dig for. What do you dig for? You know, do you have that pen tool on your lapel or do you have the sci-fi fiction that you're digging into with the pen tool or video games or depth psychology or neuroanatomy or old classic comedies or bird migrating patterns, training hamsters, amino acids, DNA, mustard, pot-bellied pigs, happy Gilmore, dolphins. What is it? What are you digging into with your tools? What is your treasure? That definition, that defining, understanding what it is you're digging into, when you start defining how your tool of illustration or how your tool of graphic design or whatever of filmmaking, journalism, how that thing isn't your passion, but rather it gives you a tool for digging into your passion, all of a sudden it doesn't have to be your end all be all. And I've seen so many creators that once they get good at drawing or get good at making songs or whatever it is, once they get, you know, proficient in it, they lose their passion for it because they don't realize that it was hollow to begin with. It was not the treasure, but the tool for digging into the treasure from the start. They don't realize you can only dig so many trenches and have a good time. At some point, you're going to have to be digging for something deeper than that. And when you see that, you know, being the illustrator in the podcasting world gives you an edge, gives you not just an edge, but something to contribute with. All of a sudden you're like, oh, podcasting is my passion, but not even podcasting, but sharing ideas, the feeling of stumbling into a type of esoteric knowledge that really makes a difference in somebody's life and being able to share it. Like that's something that you will never lose momentum in that. You will never get to the bottom of that. Well of motivation. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about how do you start defining yourself less by your tools and more by the treasure that those tools allow you to unearth. So step one is about stepping away from digging is your passion or graphic design is your passion or illustration is your passion. What would it look like to explore the idea that playing guitar isn't your passion, but what playing guitar is? allows you to unearth what treasure are you digging for with that tool and get really specific like archaeology and paleontology are totally different things but they're both digging man <laughs> what are you digging for what do you dig i'll tell you what i dig i did right now and by the way it changes so you have to update your definitions you have to get more specific you have to explore new areas to dig into right now for me Depth, psychology, dreams, symbolism, archetypes. These are the things that I've been digging into with my illustration. Now, in my experience, this will not only help you communicate to others what kind of work you're perfect to dig into, but also, more importantly, it will tell you, it will give you what you need to do the work even when nobody else is asking you to. And you do this by finding psychically charged treasure, the stuff that gets you excited. 
You have to identify those things. What what do I mean by psychically charged treasure? We're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about one other distraction, one other thing that could masquerade as a passion, but actually could be a distraction. to finding unending motivation and inspiration to do personal work when nobody else is asking you to do it is to realize that getting paid is also not your passion. Early on in my own creative practice, I was doing tons of different exploratory personal projects. I was just trying to dip my toes in a bunch of different pools to see which of them I liked to swim in Uh, and uh, I had seen some fellow illustrators get paid to create new book covers for novels. And I thought, man, that looks really fun. That looks really interesting. I could get passionate about that. And I decided to do this project called a novel view where I did a new book cover for a classic book from the public domain and each one I was going to get screen printed into a poster. And so I did a handful of them. I did Moby Dick, Wizard of Oz, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And uh, I started doing this project. The first one I did was Moby Dick. And I made this poster that was a pretend book cover. And I was really proud of the poster. I thought it was super cool. I had fun doing that project, doing that work. And I posted it online and somebody commented, hey, how'd you like the book? And I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? How do I like the book? And they're like, what, you made this book cover and you didn't read the book? And I don't know, I'm embarrassed. It's embarrassing looking back to think that I didn't even really think about that. I had just thought about it sounded fun to make a book cover and get paid to do it. And that right there was the problem, that it wasn't fun to dig into the work. That wasn't the thing that seemed like something I could get passionate about or or get excited about. What I was getting excited about was being paid to do that thing. And so what I've learned over time is that if you took getting paid out of the equation, like if you had to imagine never getting paid, never having any customers and ask yourself, would I still be passionate about pursuing this? If you can't say yes to that, if you're not excited without the prospect of getting paid, guess what? Getting paid will make you less excited to do that thing, at least in the long run. Getting paid and then being obligated to do that thing will take some of the fun out of the process. I can guarantee you as long if, if you get enough, you know, you get a few opportunities under your belt and that little initial excitement and sparkliness wears off. Once it becomes a job, it will be less fun than doing it for yourself. And so if you can't even imagine doing this thing for yourself, don't entertain the idea that you would be passionate about doing it to get paid. And what I realized was the next book 
I, it was Wizard of Oz and I thought, okay, I'm going to read it. That makes sense. I need to read these books. That is part of the process. And I read the book and I enjoyed the book, but I don't naturally gravitate towards reading fiction. Uh, at least in the past, it wasn't something that came naturally to me. I didn't fully understand why you would do it when you could watch the movie. That's how kind of, uh, you know, I'm a simple Indiana boy. <laughs> I don't, I'm not uh, super well educated. Over time, I've gotten more into it. The more I've understood why you would do that. What's powerful about that. And I think that may be an ADHD thing of needing to be emotionally invested in the thing, but that's beside the point. The point that I'm trying to make is that it wasn't natural. It didn't come easy. It wasn't intrinsically motivating. It was only extrinsically motivating. It was only motivating. And, and I was only imagining being passionate about that thing because I was imagining getting paid to do that thing and getting paid to do that sounded more fun than getting paid to do other things. And so the second step to finding that deeper well of motivation is to take at least temporarily money out of the equation and say, what would I be super passionate about doing, about digging into with my creative tools, even if Nobody else cares, even if I never get paid to do that thing. Think of it this way. Think about interviewing Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of In the Heights and Hamilton, uh, and, and you interview him after this huge, giant success with Hamilton, and you're like, what is it about history and American history that is so interesting to you? Why did you want to dig into these dirt mounds? I was going to say waters, but you can't dig into, <laughs> into water. Unless it's frozen. What made you want to swim in these waters, Lynn? And he was like, oh, I don't, I don't really like history. I'm not, and that's I'm not interesting. And when our children tell our story. Boring. I just thought it would be fun to make a ton of money rapping about history. I thought that I'm passionate about that. You'd be like, oh, that's very weird that you would choose to dig into history with your tool of rap and theater when you don't have any natural inclination or connection, personal connection to that topic. And you might think it like it's just completely ridiculous to have committed to that much of your personal work being about something that you don't find intrinsically motivating. But is it that crazy? Because how much of your personal work uh, and how many of my personal projects were not motivated by an intrinsic deep attraction and motivation to that subject? and actually motivated by an extrinsic, if I do this, then maybe I'll get that sort of equation. Okay, so how do you, how does one find that intrinsic motivation? How do you find the stuff that you are just perpetually interested in digging into that you will find authentic and enjoyable in the long run? To do that, I think you've got to use your own psyche as a kind of metal detector and do some psychological mudlarking.
Okay, step three to finding that unending source of motivation and energy is to identify psychically charged images. The things that motivate you to dig, the things that you are digging for, identifying and defining those things. Now, the term psychically charged images comes from the work of psychologist Carl Jung. You've probably heard me talk about him at least a handful of times. And Carl Jung believed that the purpose of at least the first part of your life is this thing he called individuation, which was you developing a sense of who you are and what makes it different and valuable to the community at large, to the collective at large, as he would say. And he would say that that process starts by identifying those psychically charged images, those archetypes, those symbols, those things that either seem to show up synchronistically in your life on a regular basis, or even if there isn't any kind of magical element to them, they're the things that you perk up with when they are in a movie, you know, maybe it's sci-fi movies and it's particular sci-fi movies about these types of space travel and what have you. Maybe it's something around high fantasy. Maybe it's something around reality TV, like whatever it is, what are the archetypes what are the symbols that you're personally drawn to as a human that show up over and over and over? It could be the hero archetype, uh, the, the process of individuation of identity, Identifying these things, these psychically charged symbols and images uh, that that hold meaning and energy to you, it is also identical. That individuation process is also what I think Joseph Campbell was getting at with the hero's journey of those are the things, those are the calls to adventure. Those are the things that your internal world is perking up at and taking notice of and leaning into every one of those things is an individual call to adventure to find out who you are. What's on the other side of that call? What makes that a psychically charged image? There's some kind of healing or medicine or elixir that is calling you out towards. There's something about it's if something and I actually think um, whenever I work with creators and they say, and I say, what you draw a lot of cows, what's that all about? And they're like, I just think cows are cool. I don't know if anybody thinks cows are cool. That's the psychically charged image that came up for me. But when I see someone drawing the same thing over and over again, I'm like, why are you drawing that? And their answer is, I don't know. It seems cool. And they're happy with that. I know they haven't taken this journey seriously. They haven't seen that. If something resonates, which is another way of thinking about what's cool and what's uncool. Cool is such a great term for this because it's so abstract. All you know is it has life, it has energy. And if you can just identify what things give you that feeling, identify a handful of them. You can start saying yes to the call to adventure to go into those items, to dig into them because when you do, you will find something about yourself. You will find in those things what perked up on a deeper level within you. And you will start uncovering. As you uncover those archetypes in the dirt, you will be uncovering aspects of yourself. 
Now that's pretty trippy, man. I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I think it doesn't just sound cool. I think it is true that when you take notice and lean into the things that are energizing you, that if you will uncover them, you'll uncover pieces of yourself. And I want to, before we get into the creative call to adventure, the way that you can take these ideas to action, before we get into that, I want to just give a warning that if you have some deep trauma in your past, if you have some things in which if you unearth them, they may wreak havoc on your life. If you have those things, which most people I think have to, to varying, very varying degrees, I think it's important to do this with a professional, do this with a some kind of support system, whether that's a deeply trusted friend or family member or therapist or member of a community that has been vetted, you know, whether it's state backed counseling, if you can't afford a therapist, whatever it is, if you suspect that starting to pull away these layers of sediment that have settled over the years may reveal something monstrous that could derail you as a person. I recommend that you try to build a support system before you just spelunk down to those psychological depths because it can be dangerous. And I wanted to make sure that I said that. However, I also want to highlight that being creative and being an artist and being a maker and creating from your authentic self it, it, to some degree requires some of that. And I do think you are able to stay closer to the surface. You don't have to. I, I don't think that there is good practice around having to relive and rehash old pains, old hurts. I'm not saying you have to do that. But I am saying that you have to reflect and you have to be willing to look in the mirror, right? And the way I've been thinking about it lately is this. You, you have to love yourself to love your work. You know, your work, whether it's art or content making or illustration or whatever, everything else in between, whatever you put your hands to and, and generate Whatever you do, that work is a type of self-expression and you are never going to love that work if you hate the thing it's an expression of. And so in order to do the work you love, do the work that energizes you, you're going to have to make peace with and reflect on and dig into who you are as a person. And I think just to take a truly Jungian stance on this, we should think about it through the lens of the classic myth, Theseus and the Minotaur. That was a psychically charged image for me when I was in fourth grade. I remember coming across this myth, this Greek myth, and just loving the idea of this labyrinth, this maze, and Theseus going in there and, and slaying this huge beast with a bullhead. Maybe that was psychically charged par, par, uh, partially because my f family was 
crazy Michael Jordan fans. And it was kind of like Chicago Bulls, but it was a story. So it was, I didn't like sports. So this is my own way to relate to the bull. I don't know. I have no idea, but it was, I liked it and it was interesting to me. And anytime you see a labyrinth, a maze in a movie in a story in a myth, that image is often from my understanding of it, a picture of the psyche, a picture of the unconscious that the unconscious yourself, your subconscious, it's like a, it's as confusing and strange and winding as a dream. It is this maze and the minotaur in that maze, it is the part of yourself that you don't want to face. Like a lot of us don't want to reflect because we are afraid of what we're going to find in there. We're afraid of how we're going to get stuck with the worst parts of ourselves in there and ultimately be destroyed by ourself. But if you will believe that there is something good in there, if there's something worth pushing past the shadow side of yourself, you will, might find I think you will find the kind of creative gold that we're all looking for. But I wanted to take a moment to just point out and, and put a disclaimer on. If you think that there is a big, bad minotaur that could very well be your undoing, if you have a suspicion that it's important to go into that labyrinth with caution, with a plan, with support, you know, Theseus didn't just boldly go in there like all the warriors that did before him that got totally destroyed. He did so with the help of a friend who gave him the thread so that he could find his way back out. And he carefully, as you would thread a needle, threaded his way through that deep, dark labyrinth in order to slay that beast. And I think it's just important to highlight that this can be creative work, making things can come at a cost. It can be a tough situation. It can unearth things that are scary, that are life shattering. And before you start pulling apart that, I just encourage you to make sure that you have the kind of support that you need to do that. Okay, so before the next step, everybody's got a therapist, right? Um, <laughs> just kidding. But I like... I like the idea of taking it that seriously. Uh, not necessarily that everybody needs a therapist to pick up a paintbrush. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think it that there's a uh, there's a gravity to approaching doing creative work with this type of caution and intentionality that actually heightens the stakes in a way that are more accurate, that respects the treasure at the center of that labyrinth. You know, if you will take caution, if you will take seriously what you're doing and what you're experiencing and that self-reflection and what it could cost and what you could gain, I feel like that kind of humility and reverence for creative practice can be really powerful. It can also probably get in the way if you overdo it. Uh, but I, I like just for the moment to just pretend like you do have something so valuable within you that it's worth investing in a support system, either with time and or money, in order to excavate those depths. 
time for our creative call to adventure, your CTA, the action that you can do to put these ideas into practice right now really quick. And this week's is psychological mudlarking. Now, this show is called Creative Pep Talk, and we want to talk about creativity, but we want to do more than talk about it. We want to actually get creative. We want to do the things. We want to take action. That's why every week on this show, we don't just leave you with a cool idea, but we also want to give you an action where you can immediately, quickly put this into practice in such a way that it helps you take a few steps forward in your own creative journey. Uh, not just feel like you did, but actually do it. And I think if you do these things each and every week, you'll be blown away by how far you are in a month from now and let alone a, a year or five years from now. Okay, psychological mudlarking. What, what the heck does that mean? What it means is unearthing psychically charged symbols, stories, and archetypes from your life. Trying to define, digging into... What are the things that hold energy when I encounter them? Let's go digging into your past and your life and start digging up the bones of these things, collecting these things into one place so that we can start to understand what about these things might be calling us to creative adventure, might hold reservoirs of untapped energy and motivation for us to dig into our own personal work. Okay, so how do you do it? Mudlarking, that's just digging into the mud. It's a fun word that I found, and uh, psychological is the psyche. Digging into your own psyche by collecting psychically charged archetypes. So that's number one thing that you got to do is go start collecting, make a collection of things that when you encountered them, there was a, a rush of excitement. And this could be stories, songs, illustrations, books. It's most likely stuff that other people have created. And I would make sure that whatever you put in this collection is stuff that is still psychically charged. It's not just that at the time it was psychically charged because you actually have to refresh this collection. Now, some of these things might be things that you encountered when you were a kid, but you're still supercharged on them, but they have to be charged right now. You still have to feel that fresh feeling. And so here's how I would do it. I would just take out a pencil on a piece of paper, longer the better, this paper, and uh, you might have to use some tape, tape a few pieces of paper, and depending how old you are, this line is going to get really long, and you just draw out this line, it's a timeline of your life, and then cut it down into five-year chunks. And then just with your pencil, just scan that line. And use it like a metal detector. Be thinking about, in the first five years of your life, what were the images? What were the archetypes? What were the symbols? We're going to go deeper into archetypes in a future episode of what that might mean. But for now, we're just saying, like, what are the things, what are the properties that got you excited? We don't need to know what the exact symbols are. Just think, like, what are the movies? What are the stories? What are the pictures that just stopped you in your tracks? Start with the first five years, move on to the next five years, and try to get one to three for every chunk of that time using that inner metal detector. I got a signal over here. <laughs> this is so cool. The things that got you excited. 
and search for that creative gold. It could be acquired taste. It could be stuff that at first you didn't get, but then once it clicked, it just blew you away. It could be guilty pleasures. It could be stuff that you're like, I'm really embarrassed of this. I hate talking about this. I don't want to tell everybody that I'm actually a brony, but I love my little pony. I wouldn't consider myself a brony, okay? But I, I do think it's qu- quite good. Um, the new the new version, um, you know, when my daughter had it on, I was like, okay, this story's not so bad. Like, should we watch another episode? <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. It's it's good. It's good. It's, it is good. Um, I don't think it would be on my timeline, but that's an example. Um, you, you know, it could be childhood stuff like Charlie Brown, that music, whoo, that got me like no other. And it wasn't until just recently that Radiohead started making sense. So that'd be like newer stuff, stuff that was an acquired taste, stuff that only made sense when I was an adult. It could be super old stuff. It could be new stuff. It could be stuff from mediums that you don't work in or have any proficiency in whatsoever. But say you want a variety, the bigger the variety, the more outside of your own digging tool that you use, the better. Because sometimes when you're just too focused on Garfic design, as the young jerks would call it, um, you kind of get blinded by being too close to the page. And you can have some of that stuff in there, that's fine, but try to widen out to get those psychically charged images. And what I want you to do, whether it's a Pinterest board, a playlist, or a folder on your desktop, all I want you to do for now is just collect those things together. And, And here is the test of whether you did this right. When you open that folder, if you don't feel a surge of energy, you have not dug deep enough because every single time you reflect on one of these images, it should have a supercharged pull in a way that the cursor of your mouse and the pen tool and the spade that you use to do the digging doesn't. It should, it should make your heart quicken. And so that's how you know you've done it is when you have a folder of stuff that you just, when you open it, you're like, oh man, this is the good stuff. This is the stuff I got to know more about this. I got to spend more time in this zone. I got to not just, I'm not happy to just consume this. I have to participate. I have to react because it's, it's so much kinetic. It's so much potential energy that it's, it's begging to become kinetic energy. And when you have that feeling, you have the collection that we're talking about. You have achieved the psychological mudlarking that we're talking about. Because here's the thing. When you have a collection like that, you no longer will have the problem of having motivation. You're going to have the problem of getting yourself to stop making stuff. You're going to have a problem with anybody getting in the way of you reacting and responding and digging into just for a couple more hours, mom, I got to just keep playing this game. Like that's the kind of energy that you're looking for. That's the self-perpetuating energy that nobody has to ask you to tap into. They have to to ask you to stop please tapping into that energy it's too much that's how the best projects in my creative practice have gone one example uh we're doing this whole series right now called the self-excavation series about digging into who you are and what you're excited about before you ever consider making money from this thing i think it's an essential part to being a creator is finding yourself starting there, starting with your own 
reservoir of energy and interest and personal calls to adventure. And for me, the, the reason we're doing this series was because I'm about to release a book called Invisible Things that I co-created with my wife, Sophie Miller. And that book is on the back of a decade plus call to adventure diving into the psychically charged images of the hero's journey of the hidden world of the cast of characters. This project is the sum of, like I said, a decade plus of being so psychically charged on this idea of a hidden world that is actually here. The idea that 95% of our reality is invisible and personifying that invisible so that we can see it and interact with it. That's so psychically charged for me that I had made multiple picture book pitches. I had made hundreds of characters around this project. I had been working secretly, even when people were asking me not to, when nobody was interested. I kept working on this project and it took me that long to create a post that took off and then turned into a published book almost without me having to push it at all and just started from collecting the things, things like Alice in Wonderland, Zelda Link to the Past, Wizard of Oz. You, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> Moomin, the flumps, all the, you know, Barba Papa, all these things, collecting those all together and just getting so supercharged to dig into them and, to, and try to figure out what is it about these things that call something deep within me? What is that thing deep within me that is begging to participate and follow this journey? And so, we have a this book coming out in July 2023, and it is a direct result of this activity that we're talking about now, this activity that we're going to talk about through the span of this series, the self-excavation series. These are the reason we're doing this series is because this is the exact process I used to tap into the things that I had within me, the invisible things that I had within me and unearth them into the most deeply personal project that I ever did, the most personally meaningful project that I ever did. And, uh, and, and I, I wanted to share the process of finding those things. You can go to invisiblethings.co and for a limited time until pre-orders are over, you can buy the book and submit your receipt and get a free updated version of the Invisible Things poster. It's a tasty poster. Don't eat it, but you can smell it. it smells great. It's uh, it's matte paper. It's 16 by 20. Um, super proud of it. And um, you can go to invisiblethings.co to learn more about how to do that and how to pre-order the book. All the support and all the sharing and, and all the pre-orders they just mean the world to us, and we are super grateful for the excitement. I cannot wait for you to have it in your hands, and I uh, really appreciate all the support. This episode was brought to you by The Invisible Thing, Nostalgia. Nostalgia. 
That's what I start thinking about when I start thinking about psychically charged images. I start thinking about the things from my past and I start getting supercharged. There's still some juice in the past. And uh, every week until my new picture book, Invisible Things, comes out, the episodes are going to be brought to you by a mascot, a patron invisible thing of the episode and this week as we're thinking back into the past about these psychically charged things we're going to celebrate nostalgia the invisible thing nostalgia you can see all the invisible things at invisiblethings.co you can also pre-order the book and submit your receipt for a free poster on that same webpage. thanks nostalgia Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Thank you to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing this show so beautifully and for sound design. Thank you to Ryan Appleton and Katie Chandler and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.